0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Please delete as appropriate. Hello there, and welcome to this episode number four hundred and fifteen of the Material Podcast. I am Andy Notko. Florence Ion is still on leave, and I'm certain that we'd be talking about air quality at this spot in this week's show if she were back. Uh, my social media feeds today were probably like yours; they were filled with photos of like Martian red skies over New York City and other East Coast cities. Uh, the air down where I am here in southern New England wasn't terribly dramatic actually it it was in a sense like I I kept hearing teenage voices outside my window okay and I finally got so curious that I had to like you know (laughs) peer out of there and see what was going on like late in the morning on a school day why were so many kids outside and I saw like a hundred junior high school kids milling around on what I'm what I had to assume was some sort of bogus educational activity the sort of thing that uh, school teachers come up with around a week or two before the start of the summer break when they're absolutely just as sick and tired of coming into school every day as the kids are. Um, so that's why I say this, the, 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 the air in Southern New England released in my neighborhood was dramatic because junior high school kids, there's always drama always. So there you are anyway, but seriously, uh, <laughs> this really was the first time that I remember the, the Nest home display on my nightstand showing an air quality index that merited an, an, an orange background. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that Flo would be doing what anyone on the West Coast uh, has been doing for their friends who uh, live on the East Coast, mostly sharing tips with us about how to deal with days with really absolutely medically contraindicated bad air quality. For us, it's because of those wildfires in Canada that are sort of sweeping down. They've been dealing with this sort of stuff like as a regular thing for years and years now as something I wasn't terribly aware of that obviously I know that oh my goodness there's this wildfire fire in California and Flo was telling me about how oh gosh the air quality is terrible there's all kinds of but I didn't realize that it wasn't like I, I, I thought it was like the hurricanes that we get in New England where oh sure you're going to get a few of them but they're kind of sporadic and, and sometimes you, some years you don't really get any at all but no, this is something that like they plan on and they count on. They have their own countermeasures like each and every day, um, and to their credit, all these West Coasters are they aren't being one tenth as snarky as we New Englanders get when we have to help out Texans with tips on how to drive in snow because we're, <laughs> we're 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 helpful but we're not kind. <laughs> well. When last we talked last week, I mentioned that my town's first Pride Parade, very first Pride Parade, was happening that coming weekend, and that the parade route was going to pass directly underneath my window. So I was pretty eager, as you can imagine, to have Pride flags flying from every single window that I have access to (laughs) in in my place in the building. And uh, last week, I was mentioning that, uh, I, I mentioned this in the context of, hey, here's how useful or not useful... Uh, Google's uh, uh, AI-enhanced chatbot search is compared to regular Google uh, chatbot Google search. And it, it was both of help and of no help in choosing which kinds of uh, of, uh, of pride flags to buy. Uh, I did. I, th- I thought I'd give you all a follow-up on how it all went. I did get all of those flags at a flag for every single window. I couldn't get them up uh, and in place for the start of pride month, which I had hoped But I had blocked out plenty of time on Friday night to have them up before the parade. And then the process began in a way that was not totally unlike that scene in Apollo 13, you know, when a batch of mission control nerds had to assemble an air filtering system out of just the bits and bobs that were present on the spacecraft. Like, I don't have a ladder that's tall enough to reach my windows from the outside. So I had to come up with a system of hardware so that they would meet certain Project goals. Let's say, number one, I wanted them to flap nicely in the breeze so people would see them and enjoy them while the parade's going by. Um, I wanted these flags to be straight, ironically enough, uh, and not get twisted up in the in the wind. I also wanted them not to fall down and you know, like brain somebody on the sidewalk, not because it wasn't going to be just a piece of cloth. It was going to be a piece of cloth and the things that were holding it to the side of the building and. I, I thought that that was, that that was a kind gesture, also a, a, an acknowledgement of the litigiousness of American society. So I had, this, I had to solve these problems, but I did have plenty of time, uh, and I settled on finally a system of dowels and twine and paracord cord and coat hanger wire uh, that I was able to scrounge just from my house. And it wasn't just like scrounging this stuff, it was also make sure I could like put together like five or six copies of this for all the windows. So... You can imagine that I was feeling pretty proud of myself as I carried that very first test assemblage to the first window. It had all put together, you know, just to try all already thinking of ways I could streamline the process so I could get like the hanging of these flags, uh, f- simple and efficient and safe. Uh, so I took it to the very, very first window. I slid up the inside window and then I slid the window screen up. Now, I'm going to a little, little bit of a... a meandering here. There there is a saying in engineering testing and all kinds of testing that you're all nervous until you encounter the first failure. Because going in, you know that the first test of a brand new system or a brand new thing never goes perfectly. So as soon as that first thing fails, it's out of the way. You can fix the problem, then move forward, then maybe it'll be smooth sailing after that. And this is absolutely true. This is, this is a very true concept. And I'm, I'm happy to say that I hit that relief-inducing relief first failure right at the start. Got it right out of the way. Okay, and this is a decidedly optimistic way of, of reflecting upon my discovery that none of the screens in my Windows slide up. They don't. None of them slide up. Not at all. You see, I, all the Windows got replaced last year. And I've never needed to slide the screens on these new ones up at all. So I just sort of assumed that they did just like every single window I have ever encountered in my entire life has the screen. When they have screens, they screens can be slid up for cleaning, maintenance, that sort of thing. Well, that was disappointing. That was a setback. And I struggled and I worked the problem and I investigated it for like 20 minutes before I finally had to conclude that. I think that these screens they only pop out like as a whole thing. It's like an all or nothing. You can't even like slide them up as a whole thing. It's like you remove them or they're they're out or they're in and that's it. Which was bad. The worst part was that I couldn't get them to pop out either. So, I suppose that technically speaking this was more of a conjecture than a conclusion cuz hasn't been tested, but I was way too honked off at that point. It was about midnight on Saturday morning uh, to make, uh, to find a point of it. So yeah, it was midnight. So I, I judged this to be a good time to move the goalposts on the whole project. So I wound up just hanging all of these flags up inside my place, like inside the windows from curtain rods, like behind the glass and everything. And I mean, it was fine. I mean, this was much, much better than nothing at all. Especially because I'm embarrassed to say this, our building was one of only two that had hung flags hung flags out at all along the route. Uh, admittedly, it was a short parade. We're not talking about like miles and miles and miles through the, you know, through, uh, through through a major city, but still, it's like, uh... and, and it was laid on kind of quickly. Like, a, but still, like people had like a month's warning about this. And like, oh, wow. So like just one house like has a pride flag hanging above their door. And it was the most beautiful house like on the street. So, okay, there's that. But none of the businesses decided, hey, let's let's hang a pride flag out in the window. As a matter of fact, when uh, I <laughs> – as as I was contemplating life <laughs> before, before moving on to giving up and hanging these things like behind the windows, I thought, well, okay, what can I do now? Well, now I've – well, maybe maybe I'll like offer some of these flags to some of the other businesses <laughs> in, in, on the street. So like maybe they can have instead of having like all these flags in my windows, at least there'll be like a flag in like five or six different businesses all the way up and down the street. So that there'll, there'll be some sort of cohesion, some you know, community, more visible sign of community support. Uh, oh, well, <laughs> I mean, I, it's okay. so so. They're up. They're fine. That's fine. I mean, it just, you, you got to there. There are times when you really just have to decide what was the goal of this entire enterprise, and if you can't get what you had planned and originally envisioned, can you still achieve this goal? Without, <laughs> can you let go of that original plan, that original vision, and still achieve the goal? So yes, I had I had the flags in the windows. They weren't fluttering outside. But at least the people who are parading and the people who really uh, needed to see, uh, I don't want to be presumptuous to say they needed to see it, but there was support in this building for the people who had come out to watch the parade and people who were in the parade. So, okay. Nonetheless, I couldn't help but feel thwarted, you know. But okay, I'll I'll look on the bright side. Like I've I've got 51 weeks before next year's parade and I swear I'm going to figure out how to get those windows open sometime between now and then. I will not be denied. Well, let's get on with the show. Uh, this whole show is about stuff from Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference. But to my great relief, and I probably think yours as well, I don't have to come up with any kind of a phony baloney rationalization for this lineup because Apple delivered some news that's relevant to Google and Android. And I'm not just referring to how their uh, their unveil of their new augmented reality, virtual realities, whatever goggles, totally ripped something off from the Google Glass announcement at Google I.O. Uh, 11 years ago. Uh, but so, yes, first, we're going to talk about the Apple Vision Pro. Then in one of the biggest surprises of the week, Apple announced that they're finally addressing the green bubble problem and Apple messages. And if you're thinking, hey, terrific, Apple messages is going to support RCS messaging at last. I want you to hold on to that ember of joy and delight. I want you to protect it and treasure it and enjoy it. Let it heal you. Let it light your way. And. Enjoy that feeling for the next 15 or 20 minutes or so that you're going to have this feeling until I reveal the actual depressing details. And we already knew that Apple doesn't care if Android users live or die. If you didn't know that, I'm sorry, but at least you heard it from a friend, yeah? But now Apple has, d- has extended this psychopathy to iPhone users who even just associate with Android users. So yeah, things have taken kind of a dark turn there. And, well, all of that after this break. Stay with us. Well, yes, to nobody's surprise, Apple did indeed unveil their virtual reality slash augmented reality goggles this week. But, well, they did and they didn't. Because, whoops, that was my mistake. This thing that they demonstrated, the thing that so far seems to do almost nothing that any and all previous VR slash AR goggles we've seen doesn't do, well, it's not it's totally, totally not one of them. No, it's not one of them at all. No, 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 no. Apple, <laughs> Apple did not use those four letters <laughs> at all ever. I think during the entire presentation, maybe during the entire week, I like they were like they, they treated the the terms VR and AR like hot coals that must not touch their unblemished holy tongues. You know, blasphemy. Um, the Vision Pro, and oh my God this name they're calling it the vision pro that's how much they want to distance this from and and it's not it's i've been believe me i've been doing nothing but like researching and talking about it talking about this and writing about this all week long it still does not roll off my tongue as i speak i actually have like a little post-it note on my screen with the words apple vision pro because (laughs) previously i was trying to slip it in conversation and i could not get those words to replace Apple's virtual reality slash augmented reality goggles. Cause that's, that's what it is and that's what comes to mind, but I have to write this down. So I have to keep saying Apple vision pro Apple are they're They're kings of spin, or at least they want to be kings of spin. They want to control the narrative. And so if they want to make sure that people are not calling this virtual reality or augmented reality, then that's what they're going to try to do because, The Vision Pro, it's not virtual reality or augmented reality. It's a spatial computer. That's what it is, a spatial computer. And it runs spatial apps and lets you be in spatial environments and have spatial experiences. Now, if you're Southern, I'm not making fun of your regional accent. And I, I apologize if that was the impression that I gave. I'm just saying spatial time and time and time again, the way that we pronounce spatial in New England. It's, it's not – make it's no, anyway. Um, now, there's no need to, to take up time in this Google podcast by getting deep into details about this thing. But I'm going to talk broadly about it for reasons that I hope will come clear a little bit later. Um, I, I didn't see anything special and here I mean special and not spatial, about this thing. I, mean, I didn't see anything special about it during the presentation, nothing special about it during the additional information that came out about it in the days afterward, not in my conversations with people, never. The system of hardware and operating system that, I, that Apple showed off this week, it just seemed like one of those, another one of those, but just done by Apple. And something done by Apple, that's that's not a small thing. It's, it means that it's, it looks great and the components are going to be the very best that the technology can offer in 2023. And as a whole, it is very well thought out. But I really had been hoping to come away with an impression that Apple has solved something. And I don't think they solved anything. They demonstrated a system that has really all the same show stopping problems as any other set of vr goggles that i've seen or tried first and foremost you look real dumb wearing them okay these are still these are apple designed big ass ski goggles but they're still big ass ski goggles and unless you're actually skiing you look stupid wearing them okay that's that that's the, that's high stakes man i mean i i you know, I've, I've got, I've got facial hair that, that was out of fashion in the 1880s and I wear a hat everywhere I go. And even there's, but even I have a line and this is, this is kind of it. Um, but also you also really, really feel the weight of this on your head after using it for just half an hour and using it for half an hour might leave you feeling, feeling kind of nauseous. Now I didn't get an opportunity to uh, to try them on and use them. I'm, I didn't. I didn't go to WWDC, but Apple was not stingy in offering uh, a thirty minute long, like uh, prepared uh, hands on demo to lots and lots and lots of people who were present at WWDC this week. Uh, so lots and lots of journalists, lots and lots of analysts. So there's there are a lot of lot of write ups of what that experience was like, and many of them. Are talking about how uh, they didn't feel quite right after using them, and that uh, was they were glad to have to take them off after half an hour. Certainly not all of them. This wasn't something that would make you think that oh my god, Apple's totally screwed up. But it also means that they didn't solve that problem that, that everybody else has with all of their other uh, with all the other VR slash AR. I'm sorry, spatial computers. Uh, but but even going on to like the software stuff. It doesn't do anything that uh, any of these other VR gr- VR goggles do, you know? So here's what you can do with the Apple Vision Pro. You can use them to uh, experience a totally immersive virtual reality environment. Check. You can augment your immediate real-world environment around you with objects that interact with uh, yourself as the user and with the environment. So, yes. If your workflow uh, demands that you have a cartoon dinosaur that walks around the room and walks steps around your your sofa instead of walking through it, so you can pet it on the head, this will this will this can do that. That can help you with it. Uh, but again, this is not, nothing that we haven't seen before. Um, you can run apps or watch videos inside floating virtual screens. That was kind of uh, kind of nice, I guess. And you can hear the inflection of my voice. Every single iPad and iPhone app that exists, or excuse me, most of them rather, uh, should run inside uh, the Apple Vision Pro, again, as, as floating screens inside your environment, whether it's the real-world environment that's being fed through the cameras or uh, whether it's a completely virtualized environment. Uh, they they uh, Developers can also write apps that are targeted to uh the this virtual screen environment inside the Apple Vision Pro so not necessarily so they can you can take a, a, your iPad app that you've written and add features to it that will be turning into a Vision Pro app okay but again this is stuff we've seen before we've seen so many other platforms where you could have a a virtual screen a virtual display hovering in front of you that's kind of like the one thing that they all do at this point very very well even the ones that cost $3500 minus the $3000 part. So what's interesting about this? Nothing. To me, there's there's really nothing here speaking in June of 2023, things can change in the future, but speaking here in June of 2023, there's nothing here that's going to change anybody's minds about how useful virtual reality or augmented reality are and today nobody thinks that it's really terribly useful for anything it's it's great for gaming it's great as a, a virtual floating tv set and i don't mean th- that to mock or, or diminish that feature that's actually kind of one of my favorite features is truly being able to watch a movie in super super wide screen <laughs> like instead of watching it even on my uh, even on my 4k hd tv that's not how this Cinemascope movie was designed to be watched uh, in 1968, 1969. That's not what the director composed it for. Um, So yeah, it's just disappointing that it all seems so very familiar. And speaking of watching movies, using the Apple Vision Pro is still, just like all other virtual reality devices, it's by nature an isolating experience. Now, like many of the people who uh, experienced the demo firsthand, they say that uh, they, they Apple played a, a clip from Avatar 2 in 3D uh, on the Apple Vision Pro while they were wearing it. And they said that, oh, my God, watching this was astonishingly good. It was wonderful. That's great. It's may, it may be the best way to watch a 3D movie, but it's still just you watching this movie alone. And it t- really that's not how movies get watched i mean this that experience pales in comparison to just watching it on a cheap hd tv in your living room but with two or three friends or family members on the sofa around you now i expected apple to recognize this isolation as a problem and they did but they're mitigating it in ways that i don't know they're they're like clumsy at best at worst downright goofy So you can use the Vision Pro to scan your face and then have it build a lifelike-ish avatar of yourself that other people are going to see when you're in a video chat with them, whether it's with other, uh, other Apple Vision Pro users or just your mom and dad on their iPad. Uh, those who experienced the demo, they weren't all that impressed on the whole with these avatars. Like, um, they didn't, uh, they, they didn't get to scan and create their, an avatar of themselves, but they spoke, they had a chat with somebody else on the Apple campus in a non, any non pre-scripted, uh, conversation so they could see how facial expressions worked and how the body worked and that sort of stuff. But, and they said that it's good, but it's still like polar express esque, which is, which is, <laughs> which is not a compliment to be fair apple has said that hey we're we're still working on this and they're going to be even better even better much much better by the time it actually ships lots of that is going to be applicable here that again that's why i keep reiterating what we've what we know about this in june of 2023 is uh, not certainly what they're going to ship they're they're going to ship it this in 2024 so they still got a lot of time to improve things uh, but let's get back to this trying to trying to uh, mitigate the isolation of using virtual reality goggles. Like so this was this this feature was rumored, this hardware feature was rumored, but I didn't know whether I wanted to believe it or not, because it sounded oh my god, goofy with a capital goo. So they've put this lenticular display on the front of the goggles, and the display faces outward. So the idea here is that the people in the room who are talking to you while you're using the Apple vision pro, they're not just going to be talking to somebody wearing these big, stupid ski mask goggles. They're going to be able to see video of your eyes (laughs) while you're talking to them. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit unclear about whether there is an inward facing camera that is actually showing live video of your eyes or whether it's using, uh, it's, it's of course like, uh, scanning your eye movements movements as you use the vision pro whether it's so i don't know whether it's it's just creating like a virtual virtualization a virtual version of your of that part of your face and inserting that into this lenticular display oh boy uh apple i i think that i think that it goes it's very very telling that this is one of those features that Apple announced but did not demonstrate to anybody this week. If you got one of those thirty-minute demos, you did not get to see what one of these things looks like with those eyeballs <laughs> inserted into the display. I yeah, I, I hope I hope this works. I don't want anything to fail. I certainly don't want somebody to spend thirty five hundred dollars on something and get features that they think are silly or that more importantly, other people think are silly. But Oh boy, uh, they. I don't see how that's going to work. I don't. I don't. I don't know how that wouldn't be more distracting than just looking at somebody with, with a big pair of ski goggles on. Um, but again, I. I want to reiterate, Vision Pro is not going to ship until next year. We're absolutely not seeing even the whole package of software and the whole package of Reality OS. Yes, the operating system that it runs is called Reality OS. We're not seeing the whole suite of uh, Reality OS features reality os features we're just seeing the features that are demonstratable even within the limits of a guided demo um so the the and even the ones that we are seeing they're certainly not in their final forms yet so uh, it's so uh, it's i'm not going to nitpick over oh this one feature seems like it's half-baked or it seems like it's going to be goofy um but i i kind of wish that that were my difficulty with this you know I just see that I just see another really expensive set of virtual reality goggles that doesn't do anything special. And I get the impression that what we're seeing this week was the very best that Apple could do, given the current limits of a whole bunch of different technologies that haven't really finished uh, coming out of of their egg yet, Uh, particularly display technology. I think that Apple thought that they needed to kick something out the door, if only so that they can find out where they messed up. Uh, yes, of course, they 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 want to get this out early so that they can uh, have the huge community of Apple developers start writing software that targets this device, that targets the Apple Vision Pro. Um, in a, just a, less than a couple of months from now, all of the APIs are going to be available to all the developers. There's also going to be a simulator in Xcode, their development system, so that they could simulate uh, what their app looks like running inside an actual piece of hardware months and months and months before uh, they even have a chance of getting their hands on on one. So they are keen to get the library up. But I think that, uh, I, I see a similarity between this and Google Glass in that they don't know how people are going to interact with this. And they don't, if, if Apple can't figure out the argument that they can make to people that, Hey, this is how this is going to make you more productive. This is how it's going to create more opportunities for you either professionally, personally, your creativity, you're going to enjoy having this. You're going to, you're going to be able to justify spending even half the amount of money that's the, that this costs on this. They're not going to figure that out until they get these things in people's hands and they figure out how people, where they were Apple guessed wrong about what they think, Uh, people's priorities are uh so i mean that so maybe if this works out for them come 2025 or 2026 when they can produce something that's smaller and light lighter and less makes less of a statement of hey look at me i'm a wealthy wealthy tech bro kind of doof bag (laughs) kind of impression overall uh they're going to have a compelling product product for actual humans but until then yeesh like, okay, well, yes. Uh, uh, the Apple keynote did steal from the Google Glass keynote eleven years ago. I did want to mention this. That's actually a good case in point for a lot of the stuff. Actually, um, at some point during the like the the videos, another telling point, by the way, no live demos of this on stage during the during the keynote itself. It was all pre-packaged, like really like Hollywood style. Like interpretations of here's what we imagine it will be like for people to have this thing when we actually ship it. Uh, that's not that's not, that, that, that's not a really really encouraging thing to see, I think, especially on something that Apple thinks is as important as this. But, anyways, as part of these, like you know, playtime videos uh, the, uh, of how people are going to love and use this thing and accept this into their hearts, uh, we see a father. Uh, playing with this kid uh, in the living room of their home and he's recording their playtime or recording the kid from his point of view, wearing these enormous and stupid looking vision pro goggles that cover up the whole top half of this face uh, the glass rollout, the Google glass rollout 11 years ago, it cited exactly this sort of thing, the same sort of thing, but they did it from a much more sane, much more human, dare I say a much more Apple sort of place. As I recall, one of Glass's engineers talked about how she wanted to record like all of these great moments she was having with her little kid uh, as uh, as they were growing up. But she didn't want to have to choose between having this moment with the kid and recording this moment with this with the kid. And so she said that, "Hey, Google Glass is great because you know it's not terribly obtrusive. I can still like be there, be present, but I'll also have these videos that uh, we can both enjoy for the rest of our lives." And of course, the other difference, <laughs> some, like Google Glass, it looks as plain as a pair of drugstore reading glasses compared with Apple Vision Pro. Yikes. Uh, I mean, based solely on what I saw this week, I don't think Google needs to worry about Apple creating the thing that's going to replace smartphones, not anytime soon, like when it comes to the, you know, the storytelling of technology, I do like that Apple and Google are still positioning themselves as yin and yang, you know, contrasting forces with these announcements. Like both companies have been investing huge resources for many years in the thing that they considered to be a destiny for the company. Now Apple's roll of the dice was virtual reality. Google's is, as we all know, artificial intelligence. And if I want either idea to win, it's artificial intelligence. To, to my to to my thinking, virtual reality. It's more of a let's colonize Mars sort of idea. Like at least that's true in at this point in history. It's it's a it's a colonization of Mars sort of concept. By that I mean that success of this endeavor is going to be conditional on a bunch of a hitherto unsolvable problems suddenly getting solved. That's that's just for starters. And more importantly, though. As with colonizing Mars and commercial space, space travel in general, virtual reality is, for the foreseeable future, only going to be available to the super wealthy or to people who are connected to governments and other forms of super powerful entities. It's not going to be available for everybody. And that's not aspirational technology, I think. The real breakthroughs in technology, they don't come in the form of something that only rich people and only powerful people can have access to. That is a complete waste of our collective time and effort and investment. Real breakthroughs come in the form of, like, the smartphone. The smartphone its not only relevant and useful to the life of everybody on the planet, that strikes one and two for virtual reality, again, at least it is for today, But smartphones are now so cheap that the US government gives them away for free to its poorest citizens. Like if you don't have a home and you can't afford to feed yourself, you can still have this device that keeps you connected to systems that will help you and provide with life-saving benefits. You could still use this communication device that will get you in touch with organizations that will help you get, get, get a home and a place to live, a permanent address, help you get food, help you get job training, help you get jobs, okay? Okay. That's for everybody. Like, yes, I know that artificial intelligence is going to kick a lot of people in a lot of industries, right in the neck, mine included. And it's potentially a powerful tool for disinformation and negation in the hands of the naughty and the powerful, and worse, the, the naughty and the powerful. But artificial intelligence is also a tool that lets anybody who has an imagination to create. You know, it's a tool that can let anybody who has curiosity explore and learn, anybody who has a need to create software that will address that need, not only for themselves, but people who are like them. And this kind of empowerment is going to be instantly available to everybody, including someone who has one of those free government smartphones. This all plays into my personal yardstick for what I consider to be greatness in uh, in any technology company. Google, yes, they've built their entire business upon surveillance and upon monetizing their fine-grained understanding of each and every one of us. That's absolutely true. That needs to always be part of the discussion when we're talking about Google. But in the ways that I think matter the most, Google's greatness exceeds Apple's because Google's business model allows them to deliver the most useful and bleeding-edge technology to anybody who has access to the Internet regardless of their means. And even those who don't have internet access, and by the way, that's 37% of the world's population, according to the United Nations. Even those people benefit indirectly through organizations and services that use Google stuff to fulfill their missions, am- amongst them helping the people who uh, have, the, have fewer uh, advantages of certain kinds than, than that others uh, 63% of the world has. So, of course, anything can happen in the next five years, okay, including virtual reality becoming a real practical thing, including them the display technology and other uh, components becoming cheap enough that it becomes as affordable as a smartphone. Who knows? But I can believe that in 2028, Apple's virtual reality gear will be something that most people can only admire academically from a distance. Well, I can believe that Google AI and other companies AIs, they're going to be tools that empower everybody on the internet. Assuming, of course, that it doesn't kill us all first. Okay, I'll leave you with that happy thought as I take our second break. So this week, I learned that Apple is making some upgrades to their built-in iPhone messaging app to finally address the complaints about the green bubble problem. And that's the complaints that even iPhone users have been making. That hey, when it's just every when everybody in this group chat are on iPhones, we get all these great uh, i uh, advanced iMessage features like uh, high resolution photos and videos we can swap with each other, and we can edit messages and uh, threaded replies and all that kind of stuff. But as soon as one person with an Android phone takes part in this group chat, it all defaults all the way back to regular like old fashioned Nokia style sms messaging and that's a bummer for everybody apple can't you do something about this and there's something they could do about this they could support rcs <laughs> the google's uh, co-developed uh, open rich messaging standard that is now standard on every <laughs> every modern android phone on the planet it would cost apple nothing to do google has quite generously and with a whole lot of snark uh Offer to come to Cupertino and help them figure out how to do RCS messaging inside uh, the, the 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 iPhone messaging app. Uh They're not going to do that, are they? There's also uh, I don't know if they're if they're adamant about saying no, 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 no. There are reasons why we can't support RCS inside uh, the iPhone messaging app. They could because uh, the iMessage uh, messaging network goes through their servers. They could they they could like transmogrify the they could act as a go-between and automatically sort of translate, uh, iMessage features into, uh, RCS features on the fly, I suppose. I mean, there, there are all wake, there are all kinds of ways to make sure that everybody gets to gets to swim in the, the deep end of the pool and enjoy their, 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 their lives. But even though like uh, supporting RCS is really, really simple, that's not how Apple does things. I feel like I know Apple really, really well. And the way that they would address the users' complaints about uh, how Messages reacts to uh, the presence of Android users is to, well, we're gonna fix. We're gonna figure out a way that uh, if Android users are in the group chat, it won't degrade the the all these advanced messaging features at all for the iPhone users. Yes, that's right. They've they went to considerable trouble to make sure that. The, the iPhone, the iPhone users will still get high resolution videos <laughs> and photos. They'll still get to, to edit their messages. They'll still get to uh, do threaded replies and they'll just, and it's just the Android people who won't get access to any of that at all. It's kind of magical, really. I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm almost impressed. Like, you know, there's the Apple that I know and love, okay? It's, it's not enough for them to just be jerks and to refuse to support RCS. They have to demonstrate just how big a bunch of jerks that they can be by addressing those complaints in a way that causes a lot more work for themselves and which doesn't help anybody who exists outside of the Apple ecosystem at all. Bravo, bravo, bravo. That is a fine, fine, fine vintage wine and now we turn when you <laughs> now let's move on to uh, from a story about apple hurting the android community emotionally to one about apple hurting us physically this one is this story is about an upcoming iphone os feature that uh, they announced this week it's called check in and it's objectively a really really good safety feature Check-in is going to be part of the September iPhone operating system update. It's a simple privacy-positive feature to assure your friends and your family that you've arrived at a destination safely. Or to warn them that, hey, something might have happened to you before you got there. So how you use it is that uh, before you leave, uh, you leave for home or whatever, you tell check-in where you're going and your ETA, and then you give them a list of people one two three whatever friends family that you would like to be notified when you arrive and then when you do arrive check-in will send send out an all clear to those people that you specified automatically but if you're overdue or if you stop making progress towards your destination well first your iphone's going to ask you hey have you been delayed or something or do you want to cancel the the check-in thing but if you fail to respond to this the feature will then alert all of those people that something could be up and this alert, it's comprehensive. It'll give uh, all these people your most recently lo- known location placed on a map. It'll give you the charge status of your phone, and if has if it have ac- has access to Wi-Fi or cell service, so you know that hey, if they're not if you're not answering your phone, it's because okay, your phone seems to be dead. Uh, maybe because you know your car is if your car is in the bottom of a lake or something, God forbid. It's a very very well thought out safety feature. Because uh, and it's very very Apple esque. Like the easiest way to do this with current features is to just share your location with a buddy for a certain period of time, uh, when you during that time that you expect to be in transit. Uh, And yeah, most phones can do this, but that's giving up way too much information if you're not in trouble. Like you you want people to see exactly where you're going, exactly where you stopped. Uh, And also, it gives up way too little information if you are in trouble. All all they get is that your location. It doesn't know that, well, why has this person stopped? And <laughs> was, was, what is the status of their device? All that kind of stuff. So overall, like seriously, well done, Apple. This is really, really great. But I bet that you're probably ahead of me on why I get to talk about this on a Google podcast. No, of course this feature doesn't allow you to include an Android user on your list of notify ease <laughs> Or at least that's the situation as far as I can determine. I mean, uh, my contacts at Apple haven't responded to my questions yet and none of the coverage from Apple or the bloggers, tech reporters, anybody has mentioned compatibility with Android yet. And so if that's if that's the situation, I think this is just BS, total BS. As far as I'm concerned, it's it's kind of offensive. Like sure. The notification that will arrive in your contacts uh, uh, inbox uh, message inbox. It's, it is a rich feature filled, uh, iPhone UI pack presentation. It's not just a simple text message, but Hey, <laughs> this person hasn't shown up yet. Here's their, here's their geo coordinates. And here's some printouts of what their bad what their, the status of their phone is. But I don't see any technical barrier to delivering that exact same potential life-saving data via SMS. Like check-in could just push that data to the contacts via text-only SMS message. And if it's received by an iPhone that's running Apple Messages that has this feature built in, then Messages can, can just transmogrify that text, uh, all that data in that side, that SMS message, into the same rich United, rich user interface extravaganza known and beloved here on several continents. I don't think Apple wants to punish iPhone users for having friends who use Android phones by removing them from the gene pool or anything. I don't, well, I'm pretty sure that they haven't thought that, they don't think so little of us that they thought that, oh, well, yes, yes, we could make this feature work with your Android contacts, but your Android contacts, they're all Filthy degenerates! They don't care about you. They'll they, they wouldn't lift a finger to help you. So why even bother? We we don't want to. We don't want you to fall into the trap of expecting an Android user to do anything to help you. They're just there to help and to help Google with more advertising money. I mean, maybe they talked about this, but okay, I'll, I'll give them benefit of the doubt of there. Um, but I, I but I doubt that they ever seriously considered extending this really really good and again possibly life saving feature outside the iPhone. Like, I, I think they imagine people using, like, this limitation as just extra pieces, pieces of leverage to get their friends to drop their Android phone into a stump grinder or something and switch to God's own mobile platform instead. You know? Like, if they if if your friends won't switch to iPhone, then how can you count on them to be there for you when you really need them? Not just for this check-in thing, but in life. Show me a Samsung Galaxy user and I'll show you a life partner who depends on you and exploits you to help them get off the Titanic before it goes down for good. But then insist that, oh, there isn't enough room on this piece of floating door for two people. Bye. I'll, my heart will go on. I promise. <laughs> sucker I sucker. Mean, I mean, seriously. I mean... <laughs> Now, Apple says that their work towards improving health and safety by the Apple Watch is their most important work ever. That's, Tim Cook says this repeatedly, but they apparently aren't, aren't interested in making the Apple Watch even minutely useful or available to users of the single most popular phone OS on the planet. And if they, if that's suspicious, because if they did, then their so-called most important work would be even more impactful. And now this check and feature limit, I don't know, it's know—it's—it's—it's it's kind of pathological. I mean, I, I i think if Apple ever becomes a $4 trillion company, they're going to go all the way and just start spraying dysentery straight into our faces with like $5,000 super soakers or something. I hope not. I don't think they'll do that. I don't know that they won't do that. Okay, well, now that I've accused of a very powerful company that could snuff out my life invisibly and with a casual thought uh, (laughs) and I've, I've offended it and reached out to them that way. Uh, Let's wrap this up. That's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Flo is going to be back with us in July. Uh, In the meantime, you can check out what she's up to on her Instagram, where she is. Oh, that flow. I am Anatko on Twitter and Instagram. You can hear me also on Boston public radio at WGBHnews.org or on the WGBH news channel on YouTube on those occasions when uh, we were Recording in the studio at the Boston Public Library with their their cameras and everything. And once again, as always, you can help support our show and everything on the Relay.fm network by becoming a member. Head on over to Relay.fm slash material to sign up and gain access to special members-only episodes produced by all of Relay's contributors, including us. But Thanks so much for listening to us this time. We hope you'll be listening again next week. Until then, everybody have a happy, safe, and healthy seven days. Bye-bye.